It's God. It's, yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I saw you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Magic and Mystery Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Vince Wilson. And I'm Vlad. And we have a very special guest all the way from Mystery School in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'd like to introduce everyone to Tobias Beckworth. Tobias, thank you so much for being here today. Um, and I would like to uh, do, uh, read your bio for to start off with. And we, uh, Tobias Beckworth, current focus on creating transformative experiences as a consultant, speaker, workshop leader, and creative director is a reflection of a long career in show business, having worked in almost every possible capacity in live entertainment from director and producer to actor and magician as lighting director, stage manager, and business manager. Wow. Bexworth now brings his unique insights to the world of stand-ups and corporate productions at all levels. Uh, Tobias has written and published four books, Beyond Deceptions, Volume 1 and 2, for performing magicians, sharing creativity and power presentation tips, learn from his background directing theater. The Wizard's Way and the Wizard's Way to Powerful Presentations, Outlining Powerful Leadership Transformation and Presentation Techniques for Creating Change. He has been an instructor or lecturer at the University of Pittsburgh, University of New Mexico, US, UC Berkeley, and the Jackson Lab, teaching various classes in performing and presentation arts in New York. He served on the management production teams at the long-running uh, hit shows The Fantastics, Oh, Calcutta, and the original Broadway and national touring production of Sweeney Todd. He has produced shows for magicians Jeff McBride and Marco Tempest in New York, Atlantic City, Las Vegas, and arts festivals and corporate events around the world. Those he has coached have appeared on national TV, the TED Talks, on Broadway, and at top conferences and institutions around the world. Tobias, thank you so much for being on here today. Uh, we really appreciate you coming here. Thank you. My pleasure. It's, it's great to be here. Great to uh, to not see Vlad again, but to hear his voice. Like the dark overlord that I am. Only my voice. <laughs> yeah, so so uh, how are things going? First of all, how are you doing? And how is your health? And, uh, you know, every everyone's got career issues right now, of course. Um, Absolutely. We've, we've been lucky because um, my, my entire year since this started is kind of, we, we, we did two things at, at the McBride Magic and Mystery School. We, we moved everything online and we had a brand new website that handles all of the products and all of the things and, and has caused me no end of, you know, if, if anyone's in, in the audience has, has worked on launching a website for something like Amazon, where we have memberships, we have classes, we have one-on-one um, -on -one consulting things, we have products, a catalog of products, and they they used to be all in separate modules and they all came together in one, which almost works 100% now. But it's taken me eight months of going back and forth with our web developers wow. and that to make that work. So it's been an extremely full year the schools had a great year. We, we went from about a class a month for almost 20 people to, I think we did probably almost 30 different classes last year. And the average attendance is about 25 or 30. Hmm. Some of them as high as we, we just finished one last week that had 75 people in it. 
And that's all because of the crisis and, and the pandemic. That's why we, people can't fly, people can't come to Las Vegas. And so now we can serve them sitting at our desks at home on Zoom. And we were able to really reduce prices, reach a lot more people. You know, even even you know, our, our tuition used to be like six ninety five for a three day class, which isn't a lot for what they get. You get like eighteen hours in three days, and it's. But add that to the flight to Las Vegas, three days of food and lodging, and it gets to be expensive. So suddenly, to be able to offer classes for one hundred fifty or two hundred, made it wide open to a much broader audience, and we're having a ball with it. That is fantastic. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. You know, I, I remember you, you had Copperfield on a little while ago for free, and that completely, yeah, yeah completely filled up, you know, the, within hours, oh, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, anyway. and we, we see 100, 200, sometimes almost 300 on Monday night, but then we get two or 3,000 that watch it after the fact and streaming mm -hmm. from all over the world. It's great. And, and you've been kind of, uh, Mr. School has been pioneering that format for for way ahead of this. I mean, I mean, you were already prepared, uh, not yeah, aware of fact. We did shows for about 10 years and about the last three of them on Zoom. Yeah. But we wanted to change the format so that there was more interaction because we were doing on live stream, which is like, you know, doing a TV show. There's, yeah. there's, there, there's chat, but there's no real face-to-face -face interaction. And... Uh, it's a lot more fun this way. Yep, I remember when you were using uh, what was that Google? Uh, not Google Meet. It was the predecessor to that. Uh, uh, yeah, Hangouts. Hangouts. That's what mm -hmm. it was. Yeah, you were using Hangouts for a while, and that was more of a after uh, class. Yeah, the, the after. Uh, not really an after party, but the, I, I think we called it study hall after mm -hmm. the main thing, and which we moved to Wednesdays now, and that's on Zoom. And uh, Daryl Rogers is hosting it. He usually follows the theme from Monday night, but Monday's open to everybody. Wednesday's only for members who have paid something. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's a smaller group, but it's much more interactive. And we actually teach magic tricks and go back and forth on technique and do that kind of thing on Wednesdays now. I don't think any of us in the beginning of the days of New York would have seen where we would be now. <laughs> I certainly didn't. You know, no. I, I don't think Jeff did, mm -mm. you know, I, I remember the first time he made video teaching videos yeah. for, for L and L it was the card series mm -hmm. and he was very much on the fence about, I don't know if I want to give away my secrets yeah. at any price, you know, and now, you know, that's all we do. <laughs> because he had such like, you know, sort of worries that there were going to be people that were going to be copycatting him instead of emulating or learning from him he's yeah. like they're just going to do my act and then they'll want to do it cheaper and then people are like well eugene would tell him you know if they want you they're going to hire you no matter what you cost yeah exactly and mostly that never came up to bite him but there was a time he went on a cruise ship on a you know one of those world cruises which were great because they pay a lot better than the regular cruising hmm but there had been a magician on the week before who did his coin routine, move for move. Uh, oh, wow. Said, I can't do it. It's a highlight in my show, and I can't do it because this is an audience who signs up for the World Cruise. They're on for three months. Yeah. Uh, and so they, he, he knew that half the audience had seen it the week before, and they think he was copying, hmm. you know, which is the... The, the bad part of that. But you know, people still copy him. 
Yeah. Any, yeah, the, uh, I guess it's it's not so bad in the industry itself because people would recognize that as a McBride item, yeah. you know, effect as opposed to somebody else. But yeah. in the general public who doesn't, obviously isn't reading the Linking Ring or, or Vanish Magazine right. or anything like that, right. uh, or Genie, they, they wouldn't know that sort of thing. So He's yeah. gotten to the point, though, where it's sort of like almost everybody in the magic world has his back. And, and if they see somebody uh, like at all trying to copy a mask thing or something like that, it's like they're on the phone or they're sending an email to him immediately going, you know what, keep an eye on this guy because he's getting a little too close to your, your sort of trademark. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and he's learned to deal with it. You know, we had somebody last week that, you know, he, he does this masterpiece series where you can spend five days with him and get the rights to the water bowls mm. for $5,000. And then you own the rights to do it. Yeah. And he's perfectly happy for you to do it because <laughs> he got paid. Yeah. You know? And he, he won't do very many of them. But I, I think he, he did it with Hans Clock and said, you have Europe. I can still do it there, but I won't give it to anybody else in Europe. Mm. And uh, so he controls it a little bit. And people are real good about it. People, people seem to just love Oh, you mean I actually get to spend five days and and he tries to get them to do their version. There there are a number of people who have signed up and done it and then done. There, there was a, a female who is, isn't even really a magician, but she she had been an alcoholic mm -hmm. and she wanted to be able to present this at her AA meetings and things. Huh. And uh, and he helped her really design a script around that, which is perfect for it. So. I mean, he's been doing all of these things so long. I mean, any of us that have signature yeah. things know the ins and outs. Uh, and and he knows all of the nuances and every moment of the thing. I mean, I remember at one of the mystery schools when we were at the, uh, the, the not the ashram, but the, uh, the, the Zen Zendo. Yoga. Yeah, the Zendo. And he yeah. had a problem with the music. Yeah. And, and he was in the middle of the performance. And there was an issue with the tape and it didn't even matter to him because he just was hearing the inner music and the inner, like he knew the routine. So even though the music wasn't there, the music was there for him. Exactly. And he just, you know, just, and that's what you have to, to, to want to try and learn from someone like that, that has made part of like the magic themselves, yes. you know, it's, it's irreplaceable. Absolutely. And it took him a while to get there. I, I, I did a couple of shows with him where music screwed up and he went on and finished the piece and everything. But but I went backstage one night. He used to used to remember he used to he had these two big knives and mm -hmm. he would play a metal thing mm -hmm. on his belt. Yeah. Yep. On him. And I went back after the show that night and both knives were stuck like two inches into the floor. Hmm. So <laughs> he, had, he had a little upset about it but he didn't show it the audience didn't know no, it. yeah you know yeah but i think everybody's like sort of like i i was in the show one time when copperfield was doing the death saw oh god and yeah. something happened with one of the sound cues mm -hmm. and the only thing you could do it was sort of like no one else in the theater i don't think saw it but having been an actor 
I caught the like all of a sudden like sort of like glance of the eye like over to the side of the stage like someone's getting chewed out when I'm done, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And David's such a perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's one you know it's it's great to know theater and acting, and to have the ability to to do things with a certain degree of drama when you're in performance mode. You know, you can definitely emote better to your audience. Uh, but you know, a little improv experience helps out as with that as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, I took drama classes in high school. Um, you know, and, but I, one of the most beneficial aspects of my career was taking a month and a half of improv classes, um, to, and that was mostly to, to learn how to think on your feet and come up with things, mm -hmm. especially when it goes wrong. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, if, and, I, and the I, improv dictum of yes, and mm -hmm. serves you well in life That's too, right. outside of improv. And, and if you're going to and if you're going to try and walk like a similar path to Jeff and want to be a stage magician, you need to look at taking movement classes also. Oh, you yeah. Know, because, you know, as Bob Fitch used to tell us, you know, walking yeah. on stage says everything about you. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah, Jeff, um, Jeff taught a segment. I We recently did a class with that, that I led with Jeff and Bob Fitch and Paul Draper. And I asked Jeff to talk about doing mime. Hmm. And he did a 15-minute segment that kind of explained who Jeff McBride is on stage about isolation and stillness. And and you looked at it and you went, well, that tells me everything I need to know about how you perform. Hmm. And it was just brilliant. But I had never really thought that much about, I, I knew he did mime in the act, but it's like when Jeff's on stage, he's a mime. Yeah. He, Pose, 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 you know, and making pictures and look at this and making the mime, the, the thing a mime would do. And you can't take your eyes off it because mm -hmm. it's intensified human living kind of, you know, and it was was really great to see that. And I, I learned something after working with him for over 30 years that I hadn't known about him. It was great. And And the more you look at it, it's like you can sort of you know, analyze and you see the different segments of the show where the different, you know, I don't know if he still calls it, but at one time they were like archetype archetypes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and he had like, you know, the, the sort of like Kabuki lion warrior and the sorcerer. And there were the different archetypes that came out that had their own, you know, almost like vaudevillian segments. Yeah. You know, where, you know, yeah. that was, you know, actually the reason I started working with him because, I was interested in magic, but I never really loved magic shows or, you know, because I, I'd seen enough card tricks. I knew enough, yeah. you know, whatever. And uh, but it was that theatricality, the combination of the mime and the kabuki and everything else that suddenly it wasn't just magic tricks. As a matter of fact, I took another producer to see one of his shows. and He said, well, yeah, it's great, but there's not enough magic in there. And yeah. I said, what show did you just see? There's more magic in his first five minutes than you will see in most magic shows anywhere. He's just not doing it to fool you. He's doing mm. it to surprise you, to, to create an effect. It's like, did, did you see those eight mask changes that happened in the first minute and a half? Did you no. see, you know, this appeared, that appeared? And it's like, well, no, I was surprised. And well, yeah, he didn't set you up for 
how am I doing this? Hmm. He just did it. You know, it's interesting. The past week I've had, uh, I've heard conversations uh, from magicians, you know, a lot of magicians have a uh, difficulty separating themselves and thinking and thinking like an audience member does. Oh yeah, you know, it's they they look at everything as like I understand how tricks work, and that's where and they'll they'll watch a show just picking it, it apart and not consciously, and mm-hmm. I, I'm sure magi- there's magicians listening right now are thinking like yes that's correct but they're part of the problem you know they they never think it's them who's it's everyone else right you know? exactly I I uh, know when I when I go to direct magicians, I like to see their show mm-hmm. without working at it first it's just like seeing a movie because because i've studied movie direction and that kind of thing you see it once just to be an audience member and enjoy it and enjoy you know the anticipation and the you know is he going there is he going there is is this going to win is that and then the second time through i can start looking at it as a director and saying oh well that scene ran a little long and that was a sloppy cut and you know the the continuity wasn't quite right here because there were there was a coffee cup there before you cut away and now it's a different color or whatever. And, but I don't even want to think about those things the first time. A lot of, a lot of people don't think about continuity or, you know, or the things you learn in like, I, that's what my degree is in is communication and media arts. And when you study things like, you know, what is in frame and what's out of frame and what do you, what are you intentionally focus? What are you pulling focus on and what do you want? All those good things, you know? Yeah. But so I didn't even know you worked on one of my favorite musicals like Sweeney yeah. Todd. So oh, of course. Yes. Well, we should talk about that. Which so, is magical in itself, you know. <laughs> absolutely. And and I don't know how many people know that Sondheim's goal in that one of his goals was to create real grand guignol. Mm, but yeah. for the Broadway slash opera stage where it had never really been. Yeah. And hence the, you know, the the razor that squirted blood and you know, all, and all the that. chair <laughs> and the chair and the, you know, the furnace, mm-hmm. and, you know, but, uh, and inevitably yeah. becoming bee pies. <laughs> exactly. You know, I will never forget the first preview of that show. I was a production assistant at that point and had, they had sent me out to Queens to a prop shop to pick up the razors that he used, mm. which were these brass handled steel bladed things, but the blade was double doubled mm-hmm. over and inside the brass handle was a co2 cartridge huh. and some adjustments and a, a lever that, that was spring-loaded and you could adjust how how much blood came out and how fast huh. and they hadn't figured it out at the first preview so <laughs> the entire front half of the audience got covered in blood <laughs> and people were ready from scares but they weren't ready for that I, yeah. dozens of people went streaming <laughs> up what the house your, what, what, was the, what was the mixture they used i wonder for the uh, i think it was just traditional kind of stage blood you know food yeah. color or orange juice food coloring and glycerin oh no food that's that stains yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they felt like they had accidentally walked into a Gallagher show, probably. <laughs> yeah. or, or a real, gr- which Sondheim wanted. Yeah. yeah. And it was horrific. And and mm. probably what would happen if you slid a, you know, yeah. like that the way he did, it, the, the, it would pump, though. Yeah. 
out, you know. I mean, that's like part of the whole things like that used to be in the Dexter show when he would show like bringing somebody to the murder room, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh yep, the uh but yeah, it's it's right the um I I do, I do want to uh go back a little bit to uh we were touching on narrative, you know, the mm-hmm. uh like when I brought up the uh, that magicians kind of an- overanalyze things as tricks as opposed to continuity, making things make sense and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. It's it's amazing how a lot of performers can spend years um, performing in this this style, which is very effective and, and great in party situations and, sure. and lounges and things like that. You can have an entire career that can last decades on that. But some of them wonder, like, why am I not going to that that next level? You know, mm-hmm. why am I not being invited to magic venues or get or lecturing at conferences or right or or making TV more TV appearances and things like that? And yeah. part of the reason is that people, I think, people on a subconscious level, the general audience recognizes that this is the the cliche, the trope of magic you know which is silly comical and and once right. again not downplaying the the entertainment value of that uh, but the what makes a next level entertainer is uniqueness originality and uh professionalism good scripting you know and that sort of thing absolutely and making it different uh to make that connection sincerity of course helps too sure absolutely yeah. eugene was a master of that and and not only leading you on in creating the theater of it, but making it super concise. Mm-hmm. It would take a piece that anybody else would stretch out to fifteen minutes, and he could do it in four. Mm. Yep. And but it was because he you know he created his script and then he cut and then he did it for a while longer and went oh I could not do that part or I I could combine those two parts. And I mean, that's the reason it's well, one of the many reasons it's worth really studying Eugene's books and, and work that way, because you it, it's a lesson in how to do that. And a lot of them are just as good as that script can be. Go ahead and do it the way he did. He gave you permission by putting it in print because you're not going to do it better. Yeah. You know. So if, if a magician came to you, so let's say the magician comes up and, and he's been like going to club meetings and, you know, hanging out with other magicians and, and, uh, and he just does trick after trick after trick, you know, like, you know, from an next trick, boom, you know, cards, yeah. standard stuff and that sort of thing. And he said, all right, so how can I make this better? Where does he start? You know, where does this magician start? Sure. Um, I, I would normally say, so why are you doing this trick? What's it for? What, what's the purpose of this trick, for example, in your show? Or if you do it, how do you want the audience to change? Because you're doing theater. You can't get away from doing theater. It's like you can't not communicate. You can put two people in their room and one of them tries not to communicate, but he's communicating, I'm ignoring you, I'm ignoring you. Mm-hmm. You, you can't not communicate, and you can't not do theater because you're a live person and they're a live audience, and that's what makes theater whether it's circus without a story or something else, even if you go to the circus, you tell the story afterwards. Well, this juggler, he said he was going to try and do seven balls, but he got to five and he dropped one, and then he did this and that, and finally he did the seven. Well, that's a story. You just, Mm -hmm. 
it, it's a story without a, a big storytelling once upon a time kind of context. It's a story. And it's better if he dropped one. It's better if he tried again. And it's better. And if you go back that afternoon, he'll do exactly the same thing. Yep. You know, because it's, it's a better story if he drops one. And uh, so it's, it's the same thing. What do you want from this? What, what do you want the audience to feel? What do you want them? And once once we and that that's easy to say, it's hard to do. It's like simplicity says, you know, Steve Jobs said more, more things, more pe simplicity is the best thing, but more people can't do it because it's really hard. And uh, I think so. part of part of it that helps, too, is like knowing your own, you know, which for me is very important, knowing your own persona. Absolutely. And, you know, you've, yeah. you've done as much to develop that as anybody. Thank you. Uh, for, for, for people who are playing a persona who's fairly close to who they really are, it's harder. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I always laugh when, when you know, you go to the magic club and the old guy tells the young, the young kid says, oh, well, what sort of character? Should, just be yourself. Yeah. What 14 year olds knows who they are? Yeah. yeah. And they don't know why, like you say, and they don't know why they're doing. When I look at something, I have to look at a prop and I have to go, how does this prop speak to me? Like, why, why as an, you know, an immortal, why would I have this? Why would I keep it? Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, and there's so, so many good tricks that I look at and I go, I'd love this, but it works for someone else. Like a coin. Like, mm -hmm. why would I keep a coin? Right. You know, what sentimental tie does it have? You know, how does it anchor? <laughs> exactly. And I, 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 I love this. There, there's a podcast called Script Notes by mm -hmm. two screenwriters who are really good and really know their stuff. And they get upset when people talk to them about, well, the plot of it is this, and then that happens, and, that. and they go, no, 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 no. The plot is this character who has these needs and these desires does this, and then they're through. Because if you don't have the character, it's nothing. No. You know, yes, you can have film noir, and you can have well-made, but we still care about the characters. It's driven by what the character wants and what they can't get. And if you can't figure that out, you're kind of nowhere. Yeah. It's, it's not an action movie. It's a character who experiences action, you know, yeah. is, is what you're saying. Yeah. And, and even in an action movie, look at, you know, we know um, all of the X-Men have different characters. It would be boring if they if you didn't have the grouch and the pretty girl and the romantic, you know, mm -hmm. and even even if it's paper thin character. It's got to be there. Yeah. They have to have desires and needs and things because otherwise we don't care about them. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know how much of a fan of superhero things you are, but um, there's a thing called a show called Doom Patrol. I haven't. Okay. Well, one of the characters in this Doom Patrol is a woman named Jane. And the interesting thing is, is that she has 64 different personalities and each one of the personalities has a different skill or trait. So they have to try and figure out how she manifests all of these different 64 personalities and the skills and traits that that one person has to try and manifest. Fantastic. Yeah. And w what a role for an actress. Yeah. 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 yeah you'd never get tired of that. <laughs> no, you don't. Absolutely. Yep. The, um, uh, there was a, a show out a few years ago that had an actress who played clones. Uh, it's a Canadian show. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But she had to play multiple um, uh, 
Is that orphan orphan orange oh, or something? Yeah, or? It's, orphan uh, black. Orphan, orphan black. black. Yeah. 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 Okay. Orphan was, black is what it was. That's yeah. right. She played multiple clones of herself, and the acting in that was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the it's the uh, narrative. You know, good uh, skill sets when it comes to emoting to an audience, ability to show emotion. Uh, these are things yeah. that are difficult to do, and uh, you know and and yet are essential for achieving. If you want to achieve what some people call next level performance, that's what you have to do. You know, to mm -hmm. judge yourself by how many shows you do individually or by how many times you get hired back by the same person. Exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, I'll pat, I'll pat Vince on the back for a second there. And yeah. uh, having worked with him on a number of productions and things, like he has the wonderful skill of when he does the murder mysteries and things like that, mm -hmm. being able to portray being as surprised at the revelations of things as the people themselves. Like every yeah. time he does it, he sort of is able to go, wow, isn't that amazing? You selected that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, I think a lot of magicians exactly. yeah, grew up on Doug Henning, uh, oh, yeah. who, was, who was surprisingly, like really, not surprisingly, really, really skilled at doing that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So the so what other advice, uh, Tobias, do you have for uh, magicians trying to uh, maybe uh, transitioning into the pandemic situation we're, we're experiencing right now? Mm -hmm. What are some things you've seen in recent Zoom shows uh, have you directed any Zoom performances or? I haven't really. We're we're in the midst of building one for Jeff, which 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 we're struggling with, frankly. It's it's um. He 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 would prefer it to be just a string of tricks with a theme, and I kind of want it to be. Jeff is he he wants to call it Magic Quest. I said so. Okay, so you're on a quest to find magic. And it's the story of your life. And you've been on this quest since you were eight years old and you have brought various things back. Let's, and they're all living in your house. So let's do a tour of your house. And of course, technically it's difficult to do a tour on Zoom. And that's partly what mm -hmm. we're going back and forth about is like, well, I can't walk around with my laptop and show you this here. And I said, well, no, but we can bring in a film crew and have them walk around and you can talk about what they're seeing as a voiceover and then doing another piece of trick. And it's it's a very complex, it, it's like creating a movie, but it has to be an interactive movie with, you know, and different setups and with, with only, you know, one or two Zoom accounts and a reasonable number of cameras and not having a whole film crew following them around. And so it's it's an interesting challenge for how do we make this work? And some days, you know, I know he would just like to get up and stand in front of the camera and do his act, which would be fine. Yeah. And a lot of people have done that. But I, I did, did you see um, Helder's show? At, yes. From, from the Geffen, mm -hmm. which was some great card magic, but it wasn't a very good show. It was a guy standing at a table and the, the shot really never changed and the pacing never really changed. And there was a framework, but it was kind of pasted onto the magic. And I went, wow, you know, I, I would like to see more from magicians. That is the, that is the complaint I've heard over and over again about that show is that yeah. the, it was, it, you know, it wasn't the static nature of it. I mean, you can do an entire and fantastic. I have some, some really good shows in which the camera never changes, 
but right. it's it's just all card tricks was the biggest complaint. You know, uh, there's a couple other nitpicky things, of course, uh, yeah. and uh, you know, but the for the most part, it was just, and that's the issue I had with it: card trick, card trick, card trick, card yeah. trick, card trick. You know, and he's he's a brilliant artist with cards. But as creating a show that felt like a beginning and a middle and an end and actually took us on a ride somewhere. So at the end of it, we went, wow, that was, which I guess I haven't seen Derek Delgado's show, but I guess it does that. That's my, that's my uh, activity this evening yeah. is watching that on Hulu tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause everybody that I, all the comments I've seen have been, wow, that changed my mind about what it means to be a magician. That changed my mind about, reality that it, it, it had an effect of taking you from one place and putting you through experiences and leaving you in a different place and uh that's what i want that that's what i want from every show i go to you know and it, the challenge with a zoom show is that you know and, I, and I've, I've told uh magicians this myself is that you have to think along the lines of going to a venue you didn't expect all right. So, how many times have magicians gone to a place where they're to they're told in advance, "Oh, you have this much stage space, and it's this format," right. and they get there and they're like, "Well, we thought we had this much space, and there is there's some props off to the side, and you have now uh, right. five feet by ten feet to work in instead of what you thought you had." Right. Um, so it's like that is what Zoom is. You know, Zoom is forcing you to adjust to a yeah. different venue. It's a venue. It's a digital weird venue, but it's what that is. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you don't want everybody to have their mics on because then you're hearing all the noise in their house and this and that, or they're feeding back or, mm -hmm. but that also means you don't hear this. Yep. And we like that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we, we do this on Zoom. And if you look at the screen, you see that they're clapping, but it's not the same thing. You got to get used to it. It's yeah. a different. There's some I attempts. To, I know there's some uh, platforms that are working on uh, adjust, you know, uh, you know, adjusting some of these or um, c compensating for it. Uh, there's a stream Streamyard, which is something I've used myself because you can actually there's a a little function in there that allows you to adjust the volume of participants. Yeah, which helps with the applause thing. But you also want to find, you know, make sure you don't check someone who. Or, or pick someone who has noisy kids and pets, you know, and that sort of thing. So exactly, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, it's great though that it is interactive because mm -hmm. you can have, you can say, I want three people on screen, two people yeah. on screen with me, and everybody else is in gallery view, and you can have real interactions, which you can't do in film or TV, you know. So it's it's great that way. Yeah. It, it gets you halfway there to a real magic show. Yeah. You know, I, I always describe magic shows as being it's theater, but the other character is the audience. Mm -hmm. And the thing about that is they don't know the script. They didn't come to rehearsals. Mm -hmm. So you got to be ready to deal with that is the one person who does know the show that's going to happen and guide them in the right way. And uh, it, it doesn't help that, of course, uh, you have to consider the, the fact that people might be looking at it on their smartphones instead yeah. of a tablet or a PC or I mean, I've seen the entire gamut. I've seen people using it on the smallest available smartphone, a five inch screen. Yeah. And other people are projecting it onto a wall in their house. Yeah. You know, they find a white wall or a big screen. They just, they're projecting the show right. up there. Yeah. 
and, and you see them, see them on screen and there are five of them on a couch. You go, wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's and I, I tell performers who are trying to jump into this, this realm is to think YouTube. Don't think TV. All right. Okay. Television, te you know, I've, we've all done television, you know, or a lot of us have, you know, yeah. and it's, it's a totally different environment. You know, it's like if you're thinking TV where you're on it, you're standing up behind a, a podium or something like that or, or a performance table, then you're going to be the, the, a tiny little speck in the background. I yeah. guess a huge space. Uh, but if you're like, um, you know, we're using Zoom right now and our audience is listening to us, but it's basically chest up and taking up most of the screen here and you yeah. can lift uh effects up here you know some of the best uh you know david oh, yeah. parr randy shine um you know paul draper uh you know th these are some of the better performers out there who have who have maximized the format for their performance yeah jeff calls it heads up hands up that's right yeah you yeah. can do miracles on the table but we're looking at your crotch no. <laughs> is that what you really want want us to be looking at no you want us to remember your face so so learn to do you know, that Elmsley count up next to your face, learn to do, you know, all those different things. And, and it means you can play all kinds of venues that you couldn't play before, you know, because the, there, there aren't that many great close-up theaters, but there are lots of places you can do stand-up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you can do the same effects next to your face, and it makes all the difference on TV instead of, you know, I, if, if you watch Penn and Teller and all you're seeing is somebody's hands, you don't remember their name. <laughs> you know? And that, that's kind of important for your career, that you want them to remember your name and your face. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to. I, uh, that's good advice. Uh, and thank you for mentioning that, too, because the, you know, magicians don't think to, uh, you know, one thing is they, you don't let them introduce you as tonight's magician. Or tonight's entertainment exactly you know and also have a name for your show you know that's another next yeah. level sort of performance style like my all my shows have names they sometimes the uh, if i'm doing a corporate show or a restaurant they might not name that or it might be a reason for not naming that and that's yeah. fine uh but they'll it still has a show in my script it has a name this is called this for this performance you know absolutely and i ideally you don't want them going home and going well i saw some magician yeah you want them to say i saw vince wilson's spooktacular or whatever okay. it is you got to go see it because mm -hmm. otherwise they won't tell people and people won't come see it yeah yep. vlad's working on a, a, <laughs> a show about <laughs> serial killers right now from what i understand yeah yep well, that, you know, it was sort of in the back of my mind, it was sort of, you know, I, I had that thought, you know, and it's it's not set out to glorify or rock star any of these people. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the premise of bizarre magic, which, you know, I took that route away from using the term bizarre magic at like the second mystery school um, right. was to be dark. And mm -hmm. I'm like, how much darker in the human condition can you be? than to tell people, well, we're going to be summoning spirits this evening and they're not going to be your aunts or uncles, but on the table in front of you are six artifacts that have 
belonged to six of the most heinous serial killers known to mankind. And possibly they could be with us this evening. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know if I want to stay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We've been having a discussion between Jeff and Larry and me about when is it too soon to do Soul Survivor again? Yeah. Bob Neal's piece, which I love doing. I, I don't perform a lot of magic, but I love doing that piece. And uh, because you're choosing who lives and who dies as the audience member. Yeah. That's something we don't even talk about. Well, I, di I did back in the early days with my death card routine. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and Jeff. But you're not normal. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. And thank yeah. God, because it means that you're also unique. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it's like sort of, but I do the soul survivor thing, but it's a vampire thing where it's the people of the town and they go missing and you know, who's right. left? Well, of course the person that's left is the vampire. <laughs> you know? so, so, so a big aspect of, uh, you know, an easy narrative for that enhances uh, magic shows. So for, and of course the famous example that I, and a lot of other people have used, and I use often myself when doing lectures and workshops is like, I grew up in New Jersey and we vacationed in Florida. So I never saw a winter. You know, these, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it is, uh, it, I never saw snow. <laughs> I never saw snow. I never saw snow. You know, it, which is, of course, BS sort of story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, realistic. It's called a fake lore. It's mm -hmm. fake lore. Yeah, exactly. Good. But it's good fake lore. It makes it's a good, good fake lore. story. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, it, and it's like those simple few words just a, a less than a paragraph yeah. you know adds the magic adds to the magic that he's about to perform you know absolutely uh, it's like it, the right frame for the right picture exactly you know and it's it, so it so people they get in the wrong mindset when it comes to uh, uh there's a bias or misunderstanding of storytelling and bizarre magic and that it's a, uh, it's like, you know, the old, it, it, uh, the comment I hear over and over again, it's 20 minutes of story and, and a self-working trick at the end. Right. Yeah. But, and that's, there's sure, there's some of that out there, but there's, yeah. there's plenty of bad magic in every genre and category. So you really can't dismiss oh. all of it. Yeah. Um, so what, what advice do you have? Cause you do script writing too. Mm -hmm. Uh, what advice do you have for someone saying, so I got to sit down and write my script, um, how do you what what do you tell that performer you know the for that i don't think there is an easy answer there because it's different for every performer and every trick why why are you doing this trick what what calls you to it what do you think the story of the trick is without a story on it you know it's like eugene used to say every every trick has a story the linking rings are that which can be which is separate can be combined that which is combined can be taken apart mm -hmm. and this is a story so what is the metaphor of that story why do you like it and start from there and go okay i like it because it's about hearts being broken and my heart's been broken or it's about life and death and my grandmother just died and that really speaks to me or it's about you know what 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 in your heart makes it yours and because I, I'm, I'm a big believer that any art form is about revealing the artist. It, it's about who am I that you should be listening to me. Yeah, it's, it's like Max Maven's thing. Who are you? 
What are you going to do? Why should I care? Yeah. But who are you is the first one of those. And so am I just a guy in a funny tie? Or am I a human being that you can relate to who's like you, who has a story to tell? And I, for, for me, it's uh, the more the magician reveals of himself, the more likely we are to come back to the show. You know, David's shows are aspirational. The, they're, they're, they're like him leave it, living his life in a Steven Spielberg movie. That I wanted to grow up to be my uncle. I wanted this and I couldn't have it. I wanted, I always dreamed I could fly. And they're yeah. aspirations that we all have. And so we want to go see David live out our aspirations. You know, uh, Tony Andrusi always wanted to be, I don't know what, a vampire, uh, something. A sorcerer, but, I think, or something. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. But, but you went to see, if you went to see Tony, it was because you wanted to see that character. And what the heck was he up to now? Yeah. And yeah. so the more you reveal of yourself, and Jeff, Jeff is a good example of that. Early on, we didn't know who he was because he didn't. But we knew that there was this power driving this guy that whether it was anger or magic or passion or but you it was so strong that you couldn't take your eyes off him and it really didn't matter that his magic was really good i'm surprised in all the time that like he's been here that uh somebody hasn't approached and come up with the concept of him doing an animated like sort of superhero cartoon yeah you know because it his imagery lends itself to sort of almost be Absolutely. a superhero. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, especially back when he did the white face and, and the, the mask act more. Yeah. But, uh, and there was uh, Duncan did a, what did he call him? Something Walker comic for him mm. a little bit that he kind of put, passed around to the various comic. And I think it never quite got picked up, but mm. he included the character in, in in other graphic novels and things that he had done but we we've never really yeah had you know and and of course there was was the wrestler that pretended to be him for a while. yeah yeah i think he only ended up like it was like two appearances or something but you yeah. know it's still memorable it's you know it is absolutely yeah. so what do you what do you have coming up tobias what's new and uh with you and mystery school and, and you professionally on your own well, the mystery school is kind of finally becoming a real school with a curriculum and going, you know, we, we could actually offer masks 101 and masks 202 and have people. And and so we're talking a lot about that now that we're teaching. I mean, we had five classes start this month and uh, that's, you know, it would have been six months be in, in the past when we offered had that many offerings. And so it means that we can structure a curriculum and say, okay, is there a entry for beginner manipulators and take them up and do that kind of, so it's, it's fleshing that idea out more. What, what makes us a better, more complete school for, for magicians in general? And, and we're working on that, continuing the zoom, hopefully getting back to live things. Right now we have two in October that are going to be live and in person where we're doing magic and meaning conference and masterclass for mentalists and your books your books and things are available on the on the site um on my sites oh okay and, and from amazon i i decided i really didn't want to ever touch the books after they were written okay somebody else to pick you know package them up and ship yeah. them so, so they're all on the the amazon they, they print them when you order them but they look just 
you know, like a normal oh. book, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I'm not getting rich on it, but I, you know, I, I eat out a couple yeah. times a month on the money they send me. <laughs> I, I tell you what I did uh, years ago is I started signing clear plastic stickers that if they wanted an autograph, so yeah. I could just mail a single envelope instead of a book. <laughs> right. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff and Eugene were both doing, um, you know, the, the little library from the library of thing and signing them. Yeah, that's a good idea that too. For a while before Eugene died, which was mm -hmm. great. Yeah. But uh, but I like that. I uh, the the book that's not in that bio is is the Beyond Applause, which is business. Mm. It's like what I've learned in thirty years of managing magicians for that you can use to manage yourself. That's doing really well. I'm just beginning to pitch that because I think it should be a college course. It's the course I would have loved. Every every performing arts de theater department should have a class on. How do you find work after you become a great actor? Because they don't. No, they don't. They they tell you sort of like, well, what college did you plan on transferring to? Yeah, exactly. It's like the eternal quest to go to the next school. And I'm like, I I'm done. I've taken. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> done. <laughs> exactly. And I, I describe it as, you know, the book I wish I had before I graduated from college because it would have made a big difference in my life. I would have would have saved years of. Yeah going in the wrong directions and that kind of thing. So I'm doing that. Um, I'm kind of personally getting more interested in the magician's point of view and how that can be applied to business startups and leadership classes and that kind of thing. Because I really think there's a thing there, the, the Wizard's Way Up books. I started out to write them as well as a as as an actor and a magician. These are things that would be useful to you. And then I put that word wizard on it. And I went, well, actors aren't really wizards who are really wizards. And there's one behind me, Leonardo da Vinci, mm -hmm. um, who and all the da Vinci, Gandhi, Jobs, all these people, uh, Feynman, the Einstein, they're people who learned to think they didn't even think about a box you know they 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 learned different ways of thinking and one of the i just did a, a minute uh post that i where i said you know steve jobs said think think different but he never really told us how did he mm -hmm. he gave us the equipment to help us once we did well that's what we're about and it's a different way of leadership it's a different you know one of my phrases you know um Merlin was never a king. Gandhi was never held any political office. Einstein had trouble even getting a job in the sciences. Um, Steve Jobs got fired from the company that he, you know, that he founded. And yet all these people changed the world in major ways because they did think different. And it's, it's taking that combined with, this is the way a magic trick works that will mm -hmm. teach you to think different. Learn to do this coin vanish. What does that teach you? When you do it for an audience member, well, it teaches you to be in charge, among other things, or it teaches you that the senses lie to us, that our brains lie. And so reality is bigger than you think it is. And they, they, I, I'm fascinated. So I'm, I'm doing more speaking, more, you know, putting workshops out. I, I have this wizard venture site where I have Jeff and me and Paul Draper and a couple other people to do corporate speaking basically and workshops a lot of the same kind of things we do i i did a lot of because my second wife was a teacher of shamanism and uh and that and and tantric shamanism and all those things and so the the 
the dive into what does it mean to pursue real magic and breath work and dream work and all those things that we know about and that we even talk about in our shows, but very few of us have actually done and have allowed to change our lives. So it's, it's more workshops like that. And that's, that, that's my big fascination and the thing that I'm just now starting to try and turn into a business. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Well, it, it, it's been, uh, Tobias, thank you so much for, uh, and stick around for a little bit after the show if you, if you have a minute. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been another uh, fantastic, uh, absolutely educational episode. I uh, really appreciate you coming on here and taking your time to be on the Magic and Mystery podcast. As always, I am one of your hosts, uh, Vince Wilson. And I'm Vlad. And, uh, uh, and screams. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the mysteries we investigate, and we hope we have inspired you to keep an open mind. Yes, indeed. We hope to be bringing more investigations into the strange and bizarre to you very soon on a regular basis. However, although this is free for you to listen to at any time, it is not free to produce. And we want to do this more often, and to do so, we need your support. Supporting us can be as simple as giving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Or going to anchor.fm slash magicandmurder and clicking on the support this podcast button. Or even both if you're so inclined. It doesn't sound like much, but it really helps us out. The more support we get, the better the show will get.